Welcome back to the Posting Up Podcast here with your host, Alec Jesse. I am very sorry. Uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? I, I did one after like the first week um, of the college basketball season, talking about Champions Classic and, and whatnot. Um, so it's been about, it's been probably three or four weeks, three weeks, I'd say, uh, since I've been able to do one. It's just been crazy with school and all that. And I got home for break, and I just, I was doing all kinds of bunch of stuff uh, as well. So uh, time's been kind of cramped, but Sunday, post-Thanksgiving, first day of December, uh, figured I'd kick off the new month uh, with a podcast. And I I still want to do, and I'll get to this, the semester is coming to a close. I uh, will be graduating uh, in 13 days. So, um, but the semester is coming to a close. So I, I still want to do a podcast about the early signing period. I know it's a little bit outdated, a little bit old news, but kind of a recap, not not really a, a play-by-play, but kind of just a recap of what's going on. Because like I said, I mean, there's, I think there's less than 20% uh, of the class remaining now. And um, so I mean, we're kind of talking about um, – a class that's pretty much already signed or committed, uh, so there's there's a lot to dive in with that. And like I said, really really good class, <clears throat> um, awesome kids, whatnot. So I want to get into that, um, and it's interesting to kind of see the class construction, especially with reclassifications and what's not uh, of some of these schools. So I still want to get into that. I don't know when I'll get to that, but I will try to do that uh, as soon as possible. But there's a lot to get to as far as college basketball goes. Now I, I, I usually like to go by you know go through some of the games and talk about, you know, kind of outcome, um, what does it mean, kind of, you know, point out some, some things I pick up on uh, as far as players' teams. But there's been so many games that's gone by. I mean, you've had Feast Week. You've had um, a lot of other big non-conference games. So we'll kind of just – we'll try to go down the line a little bit, but not really in chronological order. I kind of want to talk about some of the big, the big teams that have been making some noise because it's kind of been all over the place. Um, but I think, just to start it, let's be clear here. I know that we've said, I've said, oh, there's no clear team in college basketball, but maybe others separate themselves. There are no, like, the teams this year just aren't very good. Uh, look at the results. Look at the teams at the top. I mean, the undefeated, a lot of the undefeated teams currently right now haven't played anybody. Not all of them. There's a few that have, but most of them haven't played anybody. Um, and even some of the teams that haven't played much are still losing. Um, but I mean, look no farther, and we'll get into this more of the carnage of the blue bloods. I mean, you really can't make this stuff up with Duke, with Kentucky. I, I was very. I mean, I listened to my last podcast about Kentucky, and I'll talk about them as well. Um, later on, but I was very high on Kentucky. I thought, okay, this could be this could be a a team that's really separating itself from the pack. And then the Evansville game happens literally what two days after I recorded, um, and then it's you're right back in the mud, in the thick of things. Duke, uh, Duke was looking off. Remember, they played horrible in exhibition play, came out with an upset win against Kansas, then was rolling right along up until what was it Tuesday Monday night. Uh, against Stephen F. Austin, uh, and then their world came crashing 
uh, uh, down. And obviously Kansas has had their struggles. Michigan State's had their struggles. Monday against Virginia Tech, most notably. Um, like, right now, again, I'll dive more into to all these teams and whatnot. The best team in the country, the team I think is I'm going to rank number one or number two, definitely in the top five, is Michigan. And I, they looked horrible. They did not look good their first few games. And now, you know, and then they they go to Atlantis and just blow the the doors off of pretty much everyone they play. I mean, it looked absolutely great. Um, in Maryland, of all teams, they're a team that was getting, that was been, had put it on upside watch. I believe Rhode Island had a bit of a lead on them. I know Harvard was tied with them just the other day. Uh, but but they came out with a massive result today against Marquette, moved to, I believe, 8-0 uh, down in Orlando. I believe that's where they're – or Disney, whatever they're playing. So, I mean, it, it's – no one's really impressive. Everyone's kind of staying close to the middle of the pack. Texas Tech was another team I was pretty high on. They've lost two straight against the teams, Creighton and Iowa. So, um yeah, I mean, there's just there's a lot to dive into with it, but you're seeing a lot of these teams come, not really separating themselves, staying close, uh, staying close together. It's money. I mean, Arizona, who had been playing awesome recently, needed needed a buzzer beater from Nico Mannion to beat Pepperdine, a team I believe had a losing record coming into the game. So, definitely want to emphasize that. Number one, the Blue Bloods are going down. Carolina looked, you know, looked okay-ish in the um, uh, in Atlantis. They played much better against Oregon, but Michigan handed it to them. They didn't look great against Alabama at times either. Um, you know, Villanova's another team. I mean, they have looked shaky throughout the year. I mean, I seriously think my top three heading into – and I guess we'll start off with that my top three will be Michigan, Maryland, and Ohio State in some order. I think Kansas will be probably four. They looked really good. They looked much better in Maui uh, beating Dayton. Dayton's another team that's going to be absolutely my top 25. I mean, you're going to look at my top 25 from last Monday to tomorrow, and it's going to be completely different. I mean, it is going to be way reshuffled. This week was a litmus test week for a lot of teams. Some passed, most of them failed, which is pretty surprising. No you know, you know, Oregon, who had been coming in looking great. Now, granted, they lost to good teams. They beat Seton Hall. I mean, to have to play Seton Hall, Gonzaga, in North Carolina in three straight days, that, I mean, that's, that's brutal. I, I don't even know how it's set up that way. They obviously, they beat Seton Hall, uh, but they were not able to come out on top against Gonzaga, who they were down a lot of that game, got the game into overtime, and then North Carolina, you know, they, they kind of put them away. But when you play games, like you also have to take it with a grain of salt, some of these teams, especially when you're playing three games in a row in, the, you know, in these uh, Thanksgiving week tournaments, you, know, you wear it down. I mean, it's because it's, it's not like conference tournaments where, okay, you're in the flow of playing two games a week. So you get into it, and, yeah, maybe you've had the whole season you've been – you know, playing all these games, but you're also kind of used to it. You know, you get into feast week, you're playing, yeah, sparingly in non-conference, and then boom, you're playing three really good teams in a row. 
it's hard to win these things. It really is. That's why I was so impressed that the Michigan did as good as they did. But you also take, have, to, have to take your insult with Gonzaga, who had uh, Anton Watson out. They have a short bench. They were playing really seven guys. In the third game in three days, I mean, you're going to wear down a little bit. And Gonzaga, I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Gonzaga's this great team once they, you know. But they're not as good as they were last year. You know, they're a very good team. I, I'm not only going to drop them out of the, my top ten because they lost, you know, one game uh, against Michigan. Who pro- you can make an argument that's probably the best game to play all year. I mean, they were making every three. Uh, Isaiah Livers played like an absolute pro. Defensively, they were great. Was, I mean, it was the best defense I've seen a Michigan team play. I mean, then, then again, they were very good defensively last year. But, like, I, I don't know. Against the competition that they played against, they – that was pretty impressive defense considering they, they had, you know, Gonzaga's a big team and they shut down the post. So you got to take that with a grain of salt too, these teams playing, you know, multiple games in, in back-to-back-to-back days. Um, but I want to start uh, with Duke and Kentucky, a little carnage of the blue bloods, because what happened to both of them was pretty much the same thing. Um, looked, were, were flying very high, and then all of a sudden the perfect storm hit them in their home arena against two mid-major schools. And and this happens a lot, right? Louisville's had Louisville's had scares this year, but they've won them all. That's not that's not uncommon. The well, a mid-major's beating us in the second half, but you eventually pull away. Maybe you don't win by a lot, but you win by 10. 7 to 10, right? That's usually what it ends up being. You know, Louisville was losing uh at the 12-minute mark to South Carolina uh yeah, USC Upstate. And they ended up winning by 26. They came all the way back. They got some garbage points in the end. It was still kind of close with about six minutes remaining. Um, so that's not uncommon. I don't really think much of that. Because mid-majors go into these buildings, nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose, right? You're, you're, you're 25, 30-point underdogs. They're getting paid to play these games by the schools that are hosting them. They're playing top ten teams. So what do you have to lose? And no, there's no shame in getting blown out by Duke, by Kentucky, by Louisville, Kansas, whoever school. Right? You just go up, you jack up shots, and you hope a dude gets hot, and you just kind of roll with it. And you hope that, okay, with second half, you start to think, okay, you get a little tight. Maybe we can come – maybe we can win this game. And, and you play it out. But there's really nothing to lose for these, for these mid-majors. Um, even though the competition level is – Drastic, you're the, you know the the gap uh, between teams, which is why you, you see these spreads, obviously. But I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot more to lose. There's everything to lose for the blue blood, for the for the hosting school. There's nothing to lose for the 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 major coming in. So with Kentucky, we'll get to them first. Um, at the Evansville game, it was a perfect storm. You have EJ Montgomery's out. Um, I believe he was the only one. Dante Allen had obviously been out. Um, and you get Evansville coming in with uh, their coach, Walter McCarty, who's a national championship at Kentucky in 96. Um, and it really just uh, it really just kind of played out. I mean, it just – Sam Cunliffe, a former top 50 recruit, uh, is on Evansville now. He got hot in the first half. Gave, you know, Evansville had a lead. Um, and they never really gave it up. Kentucky finally broke through in the second half, got a two-point lead, and they lost it within a possession, and they never really got it back. And you could just see that team that was playing tight, 
had no offensive rhythm, looked just not very good. Um, you know, defensively, you saw Evansville spread the floor, get Sestina on guards, blow bys. They got a lot of open threes. Evansville didn't even particularly shoot well. They were under 40% from three and from um, uh, the field. Like, they didn't shoot well at all, but they but they had a good plan. They were, and they were able to get key buckets. They were able to get key rebounds uh, when needed be. In Kentucky, had six assists in the game. It was a, I mean, it was a putrid performance. And ultimately, they didn't really deserve to lose. They had a chance to tie the game. Mac, uh, Tyrese Maxey hurled a three that went air ball. Um, but it was a shocking result. And Kentucky was the laughing stock of college basketball for a couple days. Uh, and they deserved, they deserved it, frankly. I mean, that, that, that was a completely um, <clears throat> embarrassing performance uh, from uh, Kentucky. Um, you know, all, all of a sudden... The, this defensive juggernaut that they had been the previous, you know, their first two games wasn't there, and they couldn't manufacture good big buckets. Tyrese Maxey, when he wasn't going off, having having the game of his life, like in in the Garden against Michigan State, there there wasn't a whole lot of dudes that could create any offense. It was it was a it was a bad looking performance, and it, you know, I mean, you can chalk it up as one bad game, and it was. But, like, there were serious concerns. And then the three-point shooting was abysmal. Uh, that, I mean, I mentioned that in the previous podcast. Horrible. Um, so how do you, you know, how do you rebound off that, obviously? You know, against Utah Valley, they, they were, by the end of the game, they were down to six scholarship players because uh, Emmanuel quickly was out with a chest injury. Don't know how that happened to happen to practice. Uh, and E.J. Montgomery was still out. And then Khalil Whitney, late in the game, Went up for a rebound and dislocated his finger, and he and he missed the rest of that game. Down to seven or six scholarship players. Tuggy ended up pulling away. Uh, free throw shooting was magnificent. He, uh, Nick Richards and Ashton Hagens willed them to victory, but it was still kind of concerning. Now the last three games have been much better for Kentucky. They've shot much better from three. They're getting better looks. They're playing much better offense. Um, you see guys playing to their strengths more. Guy like Khalil Whitney has looked much better on the offensive end. Defense is still they still give up too many open threes and whatnot, but overall much better performance. They played uh, Friday against UAB. Um, was winning by twenty. UAB went on this eleven to two run um, towards the end. So the score you know was a little closer than probably it really was. And UAB was shooting really hot from three, which usually happens at Rupp. If you've watched these mid majors come into Rupp, they shoot significantly better. Um, I, I would venture. So I don't have like a stat to prove this, but it definitely seems this way. They shoot significantly better, higher average uh, in Rupp Arena than they would um, anywhere else in the country. So that was really to be expected, and and that's just kind of how, how that happens. But yeah, no, I mean, it, but much better. Um, Kentucky. Let's see. Pull up the numbers. They were they shot over forty percent from three. Uh, against Mount St. Mary's, which that was a game, you know, I, I didn't like necessarily think they were going to lose, but Mount St. Mary's was killing Georgetown at one point, and uh, Washington like took them a while to put them away. So I was like, this could be this could be a tricky game for Kentucky. They win the game by twenty. They they did, uh, frankly, what they should. Um, and, you know, 6 of 15 from 3, that's not a high volume, but it's 40%, 54% from the floor. So much better offense. 
you know, Nick Richards ha- has been an absolute stud early on, frankly. He, he has been absolutely terrific, I believe, against – if I if it'll pull up here um, – against, I believe it was Lamar. Well, uh, let's see here. All right. Computer's going crazy here. Um, yeah, against Lamar, he had a career-high seven blocks. Kentucky had 13 blocks of a team as a team. That is a number that, if you're Kentucky, you, you want that one to go to stay up. They hadn't been blocking a whole lot of shots or, you know, in their first few games. In this one, they end up with 13, 19 assists. And you're seeing Ashton Hagens uh, finally start to show his ability to distribute, and he's looked a lot better uh, in these previous two games. You know, obviously – you know, Cal had been saying he was playing hurt, and, and I believed it, or you, you'd almost have to, because he looked horrible, uh, especially against Evansville. He was a total liability on the court. Um, but against Lamar and, and against UAB, uh, what did he end up with? 12 assists. He only scored nine points, but I mean, you're talking about 12 assists. In the shooting against UAB, wasn't great, 5.15. But 33% is a lot better than what they shot against Utah Valley, which I think was uh, 8%. Um, you know, in the free throw shooting has been – they're shooting, I think, around 78%. So that's big time. Now, Nate Sestina has broke his wrist in practice, so he's out for like a month-ish. Uh, but Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery, EJ Montgomery back uh, healthy now, 16 points. Eight rebounds, two blocks. You know, Richards pitched in 16. They both had 16 points uh, each and combined for, what was that, 17 rebounds. So now you're seeing A.J. Montgomery. I mean, it, he's got to be good, in my opinion, for Kentucky to, to reach what they want to do. So, um, but Kentucky looking much better. Um, but there's just no excuse to be losing games like that. And we'll get to that with Duke, obviously. It's it's just unacceptable. But they seem to have they seem to have been playing better. They play uh fairly Dickinson, who is one of the worst teams in college basketball this year, that they're like one in five or something like that. So we'll see if Kentucky can do what they're supposed to do. I believe that's next Saturday. Um, but then the schedule, the, the bunny schedule is starting to end. And you got Georgia Tech, who, who is no juggernaut by any means, but it's better than what they've been playing. Then you got Utah, who, um, who looks to be a lot better than maybe anyone imagined. They put up 143 points on some school. Uh, and it wasn't one of those, like, Division II schools. It was a Division I team. Um, but, but they've looked, and they won at Nevada in their season opener. They look a lot better. They're a good offensive team. And then, obviously, it cranks up with Ohio State and Louisville. I mean, that's, that's, your, uh, that's your team. If Kentucky can manage to beat Ohio State and Louisville, who, I, you know, who knows what happens with, with uh, those two school, schools up until then, whether or not they'll be undefeated. They currently are, both of them. But if Kentucky beats both of those teams – I'm going to be hard-pressed not to put Kentucky number one or two. You know, we'll see what happens with Michigan. They play at Louisville uh, this upcoming, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday. So, you know, but th- that would be quite a duo, considering Ohio State's looked like one of the best teams in the country early on. Louisville's undefeated. They're probably going to be the number one team. I don't think they should be. They haven't beaten anyone. But with the way the rankings work, they're number two right now. Duke lost. They'll probably be number one. Um... 
But if Kentucky can rip those two games off, and, and remember, this is that's where the ascension started with um, Kentucky last year. It was that Carolina game, I believe that game was played in Chicago, but it was the CBS Classic, which is what the Ohio State game is. That's where the ascension for Kentucky started, was that game. And then they went to Louisville and won. You know, they took a step back with Bama, uh, the loss at Bama. But then after that loss, they didn't lose until, I believe it was two days before uh, Valentine's Day. They didn't lose for over a month. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this could be the launching pad for this Kentucky team. And if you know know anything about them, that's, that's kind of how it works out. They look like, you know, to, to be frank, they look kind of crappy in November. A lot of these teams do, with the exception of, 38-1 team, and even that team didn't look so hot uh, at times early season. So that could be a launching pad, that game against Ohio State, but they and they get a couple tune-ups before that when it gets good, you know, power five teams, but not, you know, these elite, the, the elite of the elite before they start playing that those teams. So we'll see how that goes. All right, with Duke. Now, Duke had been flying all on top of the world, right? They looked so good. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they, they looked like one of the better teams in the country. They, they were number one for a reason, and they deserve to be number one for a reason. You know, they, they, they'd taken care of their business. Uh, last week in the Garden, they played, I forget what it was called, some, some pre-Thanksgiving classic, but they beat Georgetown, who was a pretty good team, you know, was a top 25 team, I think, to open the year. Yeah, no, I mean, they've, they've looked a lot better recently. Uh, <clears throat> but then comes Monday night, or what, what, when was this game? Monday, Tuesday night, it doesn't really matter. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm home from break, just, you know, chilling. I think I was watching a TV show. And, you know, I'm looking at Twitter. I think I was, I think I was sitting with my brother, actually. He goes, Duke is losing or something like that, like four minutes left. I'm like, what are you talking about? So, or that, or I, it was either that or I checked the score. So, I'm trying to find it on TV, and it's not on TV, so I'm like, ah, darn it. So, I'm having to check Twitter for updates. And, you know, then it's like, then they get to overtime. Stephen F. Austin does. I'm like, oh, okay. And, you know, then we're, I'm waiting, waiting, and then I think Duke had ball with it tied up. And I go to check the score again, and then I just see this flood of this video on my timeline of the breakaway, uh, the breakaway layup to win the game for Stephen F. Austin. Uh, by what was it? It was the, uh, the the kid from the Bahamas, Nathan Bain. Yes, and I was I was just blown away. I couldn't believe it. You know, Duke losing. That was what were they? 150. It was 150 straight wins against non-conference unranked teams or something like that, and it's now 150 and one. So uh, just kind of a crazy game, but the the Duke team that everyone had been so accustomed to seeing beat everyone up didn't look so high. And what's shocking is that Stephen F. Austin scored 85 points and won this game. And they only hit two threes. You figure a team like that goes crazy. Uh, but that Duke gave up, I think Coach K said after the game, 64 points in the paint. That is, that's a robust number, especially for a mid-major. 
like and especially when you consider Duke's got Vernon Carey. When Duke's got Jab and Deloria, he only played six minutes in this game, which is shocking. But he's been one of the better defenders, post defenders, uh, front court defenders, uh, the last couple of years. You, know, you have Matthew Hurt, you know, who isn't this defensive stud, but you're talking about a six nine kid, you know, a five star recruit. Figure some resistance could be could be had, and just not to mention the athletes they have. You know, Cassius Stanley, uh, Wendell Moore. Uh, and others. I mean, it, it, just a shocking result for Duke. Um, they played um, Winthrop on Friday, won by, I think it was like 12. So they kind of did what Kentucky did. I mean, they didn't look 13. They didn't look horrible, but Duke was only up by seven at halftime. The big news is that Cassius Stanley is out indefinitely after a leg injury. And remember, Last podcast, I was talking about Cassius Stanley. I'm like, this kid's really good. You need to keep him in the back of your mind. He he's one of the better players um, in this. He's one of the better freshmen uh, in the in the sport. In losing him, that's a big injury. So, so now Duke and Kentucky are very yeah, very similar situations. I think Cassius Stanley's a bigger loss for Duke than Sestina is for Kentucky. Uh, I think cash that would be comparable to if Kentucky whew, if if they lost probably Emmanuel Quigley one of their guards uh, you know for an extended period of time and it's about to get real because Duke's got Michigan State at home then they're or or is that a or are they on the road I thought that game was in Cameron Indoor uh, I thought that game was in Cameron Maybe maybe it's not. No, it's okay. That's a road game. I thought that game was in Cameron Indoor. So they have to go to Michigan State. Um, when is this game? The third. So that's Tuesday. They have to go to Virginia Tech, the team that just beat Michigan State in Maui. Okay, uh, they get a couple cupcakes, and then and then it's conference play. Luckily, they open up with Boston College at home, at Miami, at Georgia Tech, Wake Forest. So they, they, they get a pretty easy slate to begin. But then at Clemson, Louisville, Miami, Pitt, at Syracuse, at Boston College, Carolina, and, and so forth. So, I, you know, I, I would – it doesn't make it sound like he's out for the year, Stanley, that is. But um, whew, that's still quite a big loss when you get at Michigan State and at Virginia Tech in the next week. Um it's it's gonna be quite a it's gonna be quite a test for Duke to kind of pull it together against two two pretty good squads clearly, um, so we'll see how they respond. But clearly their defense in the post has got to get better, um, and they've got to find a way to manufacture some shooting or you know because they they have not been a good shooting team for a lot of the year. But I'm not with Kentucky with with Duke with Texas Tech with any with even Arizona they didn't lose but I mean that's the thing. Arizona may not have lost. They won the game against Pepperdine. But does it really – how how much better does it make you feel? I mean, and, and, and for Duke and Kentucky, I mean, if they came back and won, are we just all sitting here like acting like they almost didn't lose to Stephen F. Austin Evansville? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like one bucket doesn't change the prognosis. Now, it hurts your resume. It hurts your resume a lot. You know, that, that, that goes without saying. I mean, it, it, it will absolutely hurt your resume down the road. But does it change like the prognosis of your team for the entire year? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, point is, all these teams have holes they got to figure out before before March, because in, in frankly, a lot of these teams are still going to have holes in March. So it's it's going to be 
it's going to be the king, you know, the the, uh, the year of the flawed, uh, the flawed teams. I mean, that's just it's going to be a flawed team that's going to win it all. College basketball is better last year. I mean, I remember the one year I remember there really there, there was the field, or at least the elites were not really didn't have any flaws. Was twenty fourteen fifteen? You had Kentucky 38, 38 straight wins. Didn't have a lot of flaws. They really didn't. I know they lost that game, but I mean, how many to Wisconsin? How many flaws do they have? Wisconsin, right? One of the best offensive teams I've seen in college basketball history, or since I've been following. Arizona, you know that team. Sorry about that. Received a call from my roommate. Uh, hopefully that will not happen again. Um, so yeah, if you get if I was cut off there, that's why. Um, anyway, so yeah, Arizona. So I was talking about yeah. The, the whole team is not – the future of this team is not based off of one bucket that caused the result of the game. It, it's much bigger than that. It's how they go forward. That's for every team this year, especially with the way it is. I think what I was mentioning with talking about that uh, the, the Arizona team from 2014-15, I, I remember now. Uh, but anyway, that team was loaded with NBA talent. Had a ton of had a ton of dudes. You can talk about Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, T.J. McConnell, whatnot. Uh, and, and then Dukes, obviously the team that won it all uh, with their one and duns, uh, Tyus, <clears throat> Julio for and Justice Winslow. Great team. So anyway, that was like the least flawed squad or you know kind of field I had seen, and I knew it was going to be one of those four. Uh, that was going to win it all. It was a. I'm still mad that Arizona and Wisconsin were in the same bracket. Um, Villanova that year was a one seed. They should not have been. They weren't very good. Hence why they lost in the second round to North Carolina State. Um, it should have been each of those teams should have been their one seeds. It would have been all ones that year. Uh, in the final four, it would have been a lot. I mean, it was still a great final four, but it would have been a lot better. Anyway, little rant, little side rant there. But yeah, I mean, just an absolute. But the field is absolutely. Flawed, and and that's just going to be the way that it's going to be uh, for the for the rest uh, of the season. But um, yeah, I, I'm not ready to hit the panic button on Duke, on Kentucky, Carolina, any of these teams because they're all going to end up being just fine. Uh, I have no, no doubt about that one. Um, okay, so let's talk about. <clears throat> I want to talk about this Louisville-Michigan matchup. So Louisville's undefeated. They're, like I said, probably be the top team in the country. And I get I get why I disagree with it, but I get why. So they play on Tuesday at, at 6.30. Um, Michigan should be a top-five team. I don't know if they'll do – if the pollsters will put them that high, but they should be because I don't – I mean, Iowa State was a whatever win. They're decent. But not crazy. I figured Michigan win that game. But then beating Carolina thoroughly and Gonzaga even more thoroughly in back to back days. I mean that you're talking about two top ten teams. Reward the victors here. I mean that in my opinion. But it's gonna be interesting. Louisville has not played anybody this year. Their best win is against Miami on the road. Miami will probably be one of the two or three worst teams in the ACC. So I. Don't think a whole lot of that. But, I mean, they were up by 30. I'll give them credit. Um, there are other wins this year. Youngstown State, Indiana State, uh, NCCU, I think that's North Carolina Central, uh, South Carolina Upstate, Akron, and they, and they just beat my school, Western Kentucky, and Nashville. That's probably their second best win. And I, you could even make an argument Western's even more talented than Miami is with, with Charles Bassey and whatnot. Um so we're not talking about a bunch of banner wins. 
uh, for for Louisville to this point. So this is their first real test. Uh, Michigan at home, they get the benefit of playing that game at home. Um, you know, against against a surging Michigan squad. Like I said, I, I got to see Michigan pl- uh, play a bunch of that Gonzaga game. They ended up winning it. Wow, they only yeah they or they ended up winning by 18, 82, 64 in Michigan. I mean ran great offense. Every single time Gonzaga gave any sort of a push, I mean, Gonzaga got the game within two early in the second half, and I was like, all right, Gonzaga's about to take control here. And then Michigan just put the foot on their neck. I mean, they held Gonzaga. Gonzaga ended up shooting 50% from three, but only 40% from the floor. Um, And the post entries were defended perfectly. I mean, it couldn't get the ball in, in the post, Gonzaga. Um... And you know was sloppy with the ball, turn you know turn over thirteen times. That's that's fairly modest. That's not terrible, but not not the greatest uh, either. It, one block for a team in Gonzaga. That I mean, you're talking about Fleet, uh, Petrusev, Killian Tilly, Drew Timmy. You know they they got a lot of bigs. Um, the 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 one dude that got a block was in for five minutes, and I think they put him in at the end of the game, uh, either a walk-on or an end-of-the-bench scholarship player. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Gonzaga played seven guys um, <clears throat> and were just thoroughly thoroughly outplayed at, at every facet of the game uh, by Michigan. I mean, I, Isaiah Livers, um, you know, he, he always been known as a pretty good pick-and-pop big, but, I mean, whew, he was he – was, shooting lights out, looked like an NBA player. Uh, John Teske looked like an NBA player, too, on both ends of the floor. Four blocks, 15 rebounds, 19 points. Um, that's really good. <laughs> that's really good. Xavier Simpson, 13 points, 13 assists, two turnovers, six rebounds. Swiss Army Knife, you know, ultimate glue guy at the point guard. You know, he, he's not Derek Walton as it pertains to offense, right? He, he's not quite that dynamic score shooter. But I mean, he's just super steady. Makes the right play. I mean, 13 assists. That's a that's a good number. One thing I will say about this college basketball year that I love is it's the year of the point guard. Look at all the great point guards that are back: Devin Dotson, Ashton Higgins, Trey Jones, Xavier uh, Xavier Simpson, Tyrese Halliburton. Might be the best pro prospect out of all of them um, at Iowa State. Um, I'm trying to think of the I'm sure there's more off the top of my head. I just don't know. But I mean, like. The point guards are Cassius Winston. Duh, I can't forget him. I know Miles Powell is more of a two guard, but you could kind of throw him in there. He handles the ball a lot. I mean, it is awesome. The point guard play that is that, that is returning um, to college that return to college basketball, and, and you're seeing it. But yeah, I mean, so but Michigan has beaten Carolina and Gonzaga. You know, number six, number eight. Uh, I mean, they have a ridiculously good resume, um, a one-seed resume uh, at this point. Um, but but I, I, I think, like I said, they're a top-three team, and, and they'll play Louisville. I, I honestly, you know, I don't make a lot of picks on this podcast. I like to just dissect results a lot. I don't really know who to pick. I mean, Louisville's a tough matchup because they, they shoot the crap out of the ball, and they have – Four or five dudes that if you leave them open, they're probably making it. Dwayne Sutton, Jordan War are really good. Uh, you know, War is an NBA player. I, I do wonder. You know, uh, Louisville got the bump to being as this you know this top five team entering the season a lot in part because they just returned a bunch of guys. Now Jordan War, ACC 
preseason player of the year. He's he was good. I mean, he was really good. Best player last year. Okay, you know, fair enough. And Dwayne Sutton's just a very solid role player who's actually turning into being one of their best players in general. But like outside of that, I they got a bit of their bump just because they returned a bunch of guys. And you've seen, and this has happened in the past. I remember Minnesota a couple years back returned a bunch of dudes, uh, and I think I had them in my top ten to fifteen. And they sucked. Uh, so, it, like, it happens every year. So, I'm not saying Louisville's going to suck. I think they're a very good team, and I think that they're probably going to be in contention for a one seed. They very well, you know, whatever. But I also think when they start playing teams, do they start kind of getting exposed because, oh, yeah, we ranked them really high just because, yeah, they, they brought back a, a lot of dudes. Well, how good are all their dudes? You know, Stephen Enoch kind of got his lunch handed to him by Charles Bassey. You know, uh, um, uh, on Friday, like Louisville really didn't have a lot of go-to scoring in that game outside of Sutton and Wara. You know, Ryan McMahon, he's a nice role player. He does really good against mid-majors, shooting the ball and whatnot. But I remember, I mean, I, I watch every Louisville Kentucky game, and then you put an athlete and some length on him, and he and he literally is a, he's he's a total liability out there. So. You know, this will be a good test. How does Louisville respond to playing, to, to playing, frankly, a fellow top five team in their building that is playing lights out and all their best wins are away from home? I know they're not road games. This is the first true road game I think Michigan's played all year. Um, so there is something to be said for that. I'd probably lean picking Louisville, a home team, number one. It's going to be a ruckus crowd. You know, kind of round, especially after what happened to their football team on Saturday. The fan base is definitely going to start to focus all in on basketball. So I could see it being a very good environment. Um, I could see Louisville, you know, getting hot from three. But man, I beginning of the year I was like, oh yeah, Michigan doesn't really stand a chance in this game. I don't, I don't really know how good Michigan is. And now it's like, eh, it could really go either way. It's really close. Michigan's really good. Um, I, you know, they did. Michigan kind of did this last year where they peaked in, in November, December, and then in uh, in conference play they looked out of sorts for the most part. And then obviously you saw what happened against them in the tournament against Texas Tech. They got thoroughly dominated at every level. So I, I think this team might be better, though, because they're much more – I think their offense is more sustainable. They, they, this team is much better offensively than last year's team. They have a lot less streak – I mean – Michigan's team was full of streaky shooters, you know, Jordan Poole, you know, Ignis Bresdegas. These were guys that you, you they could 30 ball you and they can also go over seven. And also when they played elite competition, they did not look good at all, uh, you know, for the most part, especially, you know, once, once conference play rolled around. All their big, I mean, they lost to Michigan State three times. That's pretty. You know, that, that's usually un, pretty unprecedented. You know, they, they were kind of the reverse of what they were the year before when they when they went to the championship. But this team looks pretty good. They're, I mean, they're like I said, every team's flawed. They're going to slip up here and there. Uh, every team will. But, yeah, I mean, he, this is a, it's a really intriguing matchup heading in. I, I, I'm excited to see Louisville, you know, get, get their first test. And, you know, if they go and pass with flying colors, I'll absolutely give them their due, you know. You play well, that's what happens. You know, you, you get your due. Um, but, yeah, so – and then I want to talk about Michigan State, well, Maui, I guess, in general. Number one takeaway is Dayton is a legit top 15 team at the moment. 
they will be ranked as such. They thir- they, they were they dominated everyone except for Kansas, and they probably should have beat Kansas. They had them on the ropes. I think they ran out of gas. Kansas was just too big. They really had no answer for Yudoka as a buki. But in fairness, most teams don't. So and you're talking about a, a team from from the Atlantic Ten going against uh, you know the probably the Big Twelve preseason player of the year, and if not, I mean you're definitely in the running for it. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, a big guy like that, that that has really evolved his game from just a just a a guy that can dunk the ball to where he can put his back to the basket and put the ball in, um, and put the ball in all around the paint. So I, I don't really fault them for that loss. And I mean, they took them to overtime. It was essentially a draw. Kansas just ended up coming out on top in overtime. You know, made execute a little bit better down the stretch. But and I I forget who it was for Dayton hit a nasty straightaway step back three to send the game to overtime. It was beautiful. I mean, it, just just an absolutely beautiful shot. Uh, you're just talking about a hell of a team um, for Dayton. You know, a team that really does not uh, has no quit. Obi Toppin is a legit first round talent. He's one of the best players. I'd say in the country, you can make an argument if you're if you're drafting out your All American team right now, he he would be he'd be a first teamer. He he's terrific. Forgot who all they beat uh, before that. Find it, um, but they were they were beating the brakes off some teams. I, I know that much. I think they they destroyed Georgia. That yeah, that's that that's one of the teams they beat. Georgia, uh, they beat them good. I mean, they they held Anthony Edwards to like six points and. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna spin here, sit here and talk about Georgia bunch, but watch if you can, if you can somehow get access to this, go back and watch Anthony Edwards' second half against Michigan State. I mean, he was just ridiculous. He was making play after play, looked absolutely terrific. Was hitting, th- I mean, making you know passes that were you know threading the needle. And step back threes. I mean, he he really didn't have any. I mean, he had. There was no range that he could not. Uh, that he could not hit from. And that's that was pretty pretty crazy. Anthony Edwards is absolutely terrific. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, Dayton beat Georgia by nineteen. Uh, Virginia Tech the next day by twenty seven. I mean, you know, just dominating these opponents. Um, they hadn't really played anyone up to this point, which is why they didn't have a lot of recognition. I didn't rank them or anything like that, but they're they're a legit top fifteen team. Um, it, it may maybe they're maybe I put them at twenty. I don't know, but they're going to be up there for sure. Um, that, that that was definitely a takeaway. They're they're for real. Um, also, really, uh, you know, Kansas has seemed to bounce back. They're playing much cleaner basketball than that first week. Um, they're not a total train wreck on offense. Yudoka Azubuki's a force. You know, their shooting is still a little bit suspect. They're not a great free-throw shooting team either. But O'Shea Abachi's really good. Devin Dotson is just a king of getting in the lane. And really really good at uh, getting in the lane, being able to finish. He's, he's, a, he's a heck of a point guard, like I said. But So I, I was really impressed. I wanted to see Kansas-Michigan State. Obviously, that, that, that didn't happen. But uh, Kansas... Dayton was was a heck of a game, but yeah, I think Kansas will definitely definitely a top five team. They're they're worthy of consideration. With now with Michigan State, they uh, whew, um, bad loss to Virginia Tech. I didn't really know what on earth was happening. 
They were losing the whole game. They got pretty close. Tech Landers Nolly's a heck of a player. That Mike Young, the former Wofford coach, you can coach. I mean, in, in you know, it has some playmakers too. You know, Virginia Tech. I think a lot of te- people counted them out. I mean, they, they almost didn't have enough players for a team. They got a bunch. They got some dudes in the spring to reclassify up. Uh, that you know that some of the guys that put their name in the transfer portal, including Landers Nolly, and I believe uh, Wambisa Bead. Uh, they got them to come back, uh, you know, but after losing Ahmed Hill, Kerry Blackshear, um, Justin Robinson, I mean, I mean, you're talking about program pieces right there, uh, gone. You, you really didn't give them a lot of a chance, and they were picked, I think, 13th in the ACC or something like that. They were, you know, one of the last teams to get picked, and uh, they go and beat Michigan State in Maui. It's a, it was a Heck of a win. Michigan State finished off. They, they beat Georgia, like I said. They were up by like 20-something, almost 30. Georgia came all the way back up to within two. But uh, Georgia doesn't play any defense. Michigan State hit, hit some threes down the stretch, put the game away. Uh, and uh, they beat UCLA the next day. So, like I said, they play Duke. So, two teams, you know, that kind of slumping a little bit in State and Duke. Pretty big game. You know, Michigan State also beat – uh, Seton Hall on the road with Miles Powell went for 37. I, I don't understand, you know, I think Jeff Goodman came out with a ranking um, after, you know, the Mallard or whatever. And he didn't have Michigan State's top 25 team. And they're going to drop, maybe outside of the top 10. I haven't decided yet. We'll have to draft it up and see how that goes. But that's just ridiculous. Michigan State not top. Come on. I mean, they're, they're top 25. They're not perfect. Yeah, Virginia Tech's not a good-looking loss, I'll give you that. And the Kentucky loss doesn't look so good anymore after the Evansville debacle. But come on, you're not going to sit here and tell me that there are 25 better teams than Michigan State at the moment. You know, you're talking about Cassius Winston, uh, you know, and, and they have good bigs. And, and they have dudes that can make shots, you know, and they have a Hall of Fame head coach. Like, come on. They'll drop a little bit, but they're not dropping outside of that. Probably not even outside of the top 10. Definitely not outside of the top 15. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I still – Duke-Michigan State will be an interesting matchup between two teams that have suffered some bad losses here in the last week. Um, so I'll be kind of – I'll be interested to see how that one goes. All right, and then with Maryland. Got to talk about – got to give Maryland a shout-out for a second. Do some quick hitters here before we get off here. Got, you know, 10-ish minutes left. Um, you know, I I was kind of didn't really know what to think of Maryland, right? Because like I said, they had some if performances heading into this week, but man, they blew out Marquette today. It, you know, Marquette, Marcus Howard, or yes, Marcus Howard. I don't know why I thought that sounded wrong. Marcus Howard put up what forty four than fifty in back to back days, and Marquette and Maryland held Marquette to. Uh, 63 points you know they were able to put away Temple and Harvard Maryland is and then they they blasted Marquette that's that like I said going to be a top five team for sure they got some dudes they got some guards that can really play Eric Ayala uh, Anthony Cowan is another guard, uh, returning guard uh, that was one I had in mind um, but but they looked really really good uh, in, in Orlando they kind of against Harvard they were eh at points but, I mean, you know, it was a tie game with, I think, like seven minutes left, and they had ran away from them from that point on. Um, they, they're just – they're really something. And Jalen Smith is an absolute hoss. I mean, get out of his way. 
I mean, I think everyone saw that dunk he had on Belmont to, to propel Maryland to the round of 32. It's a, it's a really good team. It's another, it's another team that got a lot of boost for just returning guys, but so far they've proven to be some really good ones. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've, they've been good. Anthony Cowan as the starting point guard has looked really good um, this season. Uh, and Jalen Smith, I mean, could have been a first-round pick. So you get a guy like that to come back. You know, that, that, that helps your cause, obviously. Um, but Maryland and Louisville kind of the same boat. But Maryland has beaten teams. So we'll see if Louisville can, you know, again, Tuesday, litmus test. They'll start to play some, some squads as well. But Maryland so far so good. They look to be, you know, Maryland, Michigan State, the, the Big Ten's, like, top echelons looking really nice right now. What's ironic is that Michigan State might be the worst – might be the worst of the of the uh, of the top right now with Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State. That's a really good like top of it, and there's a pretty significant fall off after that, um, for sure. Uh, let's see. Well, Memphis. I need to mention James Wiseman. So um, he's out till this or January twelfth, I think. They play South Florida. Whatever game that South Florida is, the first time. Uh, it's essentially to open a uh, AAC play, um, so he will play again this year. Um, I don't really know what to say. Penny Hardaway essentially stuck the middle finger to the NCAA, and he's going to get Wiseman for conference playing the rest of the way. So Memphis will, you know, I don't really, I'm not going to read a ton into what they do between now and then, as long as they don't lose to anyone horrible. But like, they're. They're kind of they're they're in a holding pattern. They'll be fine. If they get their big man back. I mean, he's he's as good as they come. He's the he's he's the best in the in the country for a reason. And you know they're gonna he's gonna go number one most likely. He's a heck of a player. Um, but yeah, just a little side note with them. Tennessee suffered their first loss to Florida State. Florida State will definitely be in the top twenty five. Even after the Florida win, I wasn't convinced. But beating you know Tennessee's been. Proven to be pretty good. But then they turn around and they buzzer beat uh, VCU. Thank you, Lamonte Turner. So Tennessee kind of kind of a holding pattern after this week. Lose a game maybe they probably shouldn't have. Although Florida State was the favorite, but Tennessee was ranked. I would have thought Tennessee would be the favorite. But then they go back and they beat ranked VCU. Pretty good win for them. Yeah, like I said, Seton Hall dropped first game to Oregon. I think they won out the rest of it. They would have been playing very good teams. In Oregon, you know, they, they suffered their first couple losses this year. Uh, I'm not going to ding them a ton. They'll probably drop to the bottom half of the top ten, um, you know, losing to Gonzaga and North Carolina back-to-back, ironically, the two teams that Michigan beat. So, but they'll, they'll go down a little bit. But in Valley, Dante was ruled eligible to play, I think, next semester. That's big because, like I said, Pac-12's got beef. And Oregon beefed up a little bit more. Him and Francis Okora, that's a really good little front court. Um, Virginia, I, I don't really know what to think of them. The, they're, they're, like, they're like football scores almost a lot of these games. So here's, here's the, the, the totals that they scored. 48, 65, 60, 61, 58, 48, 46. Um, they're, now they're holding teams to essentially under – the only one team has gone above 50 on them. So, and that was Vermont, who they, who Anthony Lamb, 
you haven't heard the name, learn it. He's one of the best players in the country. That's another guy that'd probably be on an All American list. Put up thirty on Virginia. He's really good. Um, I mean, Anthony Lamb scored more <laughs> against Virginia than Maine did. Pretty, that's pretty crazy. So, you know, with Virginia, they're good. They're undefeated right now. I get that. But, man, they can't score, and you have to be able to have some. Like, last year's team could score, and they did. Look at the tournament results. I mean, they played Purdue, which was probably the hottest offensive team in the country heading into that Elite A matchup, and guess what happened? They, I think they, they put up 80 or something. And Carson Edwards had 40 of his own. So, yeah, I mean, I – but, like, they just don't have a lot of go-to scores. Braxton Key is out indefinitely, some sort of a wrist injury. He was their second-leading scorer. So, it's like, who really scores for him right now? I mean, Casey Morsell came in, and he's come in and made some big shots. I think it's Vermont. He made a couple. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I just, I'm not, not super high on Virginia. Um, they don't have a Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, a Kyle Guy this year, like like they have in the past. So I, you know, they're winning games. I'll give them that. They're not losing to these bad teams, and they're just completely shutting them down. They can't score. Um, it's pretty ridiculous their defensive stats, but their offense is just it's equally as bad to be to be honest. But when you're playing teams like they've been playing for the most part, it doesn't really matter. But when they start playing SEC or ACC play, let me see. They play in the Big Ten Challenge. Hopefully, it's someone good. Uh, hopefully it's a test. Uh, they, well, they play Carolina coming up. They play at Purdue. I mean, that's a little bit of a test. Rematch of the Elite Eight. So, in Purdue, I believe, beat, they beat someone ranked this week. I forget. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I'm a little suspect on Virginia uh, heading into uh, conference play. See if I've covered everybody. I already kind of mentioned Arizona. Uh, love their freshmen. Love Zeke Naji. Love Nico Mannion. Really, really good. But uh, the, all, the the near loss to Pepperdine was a little bit uh, eyebrow raising. They beat Penn. Penn's pretty good. Uh, they they seem to be good. Wake Forest. They play at Baylor on the seventh. That'll be a game I'm looking at. Baylor's been pretty good this year. Um, like you know, like I've said so. Yeah, I, I I like um I like what I mean, Sean Miller's got a heck of a team, but it was definitely kind of surprising. <laughs> that was a game I checked on Thanksgiving, like, oh wow, Arizona is um losing with four minutes left. Watch the rest of it. Or, you know, and Pepperdine did not have the horses, but they still they're still making plays, uh, for sure. Auburn's still undefeated, they're really good, they're probably the best team in the SEC so far. Florida, eh. I mean, they, they've looked better. They beat Xavier. That's their marquee win. But Marshall came to town and took them down to the wire. They ended up winning by, like, seven. But, oof, I mean, Florida's still a little bit suspect. If I can fit them in my top 25, I probably will. I think they are a top 25 team. But, you know, they're starting to come together a little bit better, but it they, they still got a ways to go, Florida does. Um, they did not look particularly good on Friday night. They were getting up a lot of threes. Their offense was kind of all over the place still. Uh, but but they have too much talent to ignore. That is that is for sure. All right, we'll just go ahead and wrap that up now. That's probably close to an hour. Thank you all for listening. Um, I have no idea when I'll do one of these next. Maybe next week I have, you know, paper finals. 
stuff like that do, but I would like to do one uh, when I can, and the recruiting one as well. But thank you all for listening. Um, you know, happy December. Christmas is almost, almost here. Happy holidays. Um, and, yeah, take care.